uh, just a few words uh, to tell you how happy we are to be here together tonight. Why don't you move them in a little bit? You don't have to talk right into it, but just let's bring them a little closer. Okay, you don't have to get too close, but just... So, uh, we wish to thank you for being here with us tonight uh, for this uh, more or less special debate on the fate of Romanian literature as a weapon, uh, Romania being very much uh, in the spotlight these days, and uh, uh, this, of course, brings up the subject of Romania's voices in the field of literature, of poetry, of the theater, and of other speech arts. Um, we're going to uh, talk uh, in a more or less informal way, and uh, I don't have to introduce uh, my colleagues. Everybody probably knows that we have here Nina Cassian, the poet, uh, Norman Mania, prose writer, uh, Matei Kalinescu, critic, and after this uh, talk, after this event, uh, there'll be a reception in the lounge, and uh, everybody is welcome, so please attend. Um, the theme of... Uh, our discussion tonight here um, is worded uh, more or less metaphorically. Uh, there's a rhetoric question, uh, is the word a weapon? Um, I should say that uh, the word as a weapon, this assertion, uh, connotes uh, a truism. Uh, of course, uh, a weapon is something that uh, one takes advantage of in order to um, defeat or to have, uh, uh, to take the uh, uh, better part of uh, a situation in which you have uh, an opponent. And uh, as everybody knows, ever since the days of Plato, the poet and uh, the dreamer have been at odds with uh, society, with uh, the polis, in Plato's words. And, uh, of course, the tension, this tug of war between uh, the creative act of the imagination and uh, uh, the views or the conceptions of the state um, have been an uh, everlasting presence in the history of uh, of, of uh, man's um, presence as uh, a factor of culture uh, around here. Uh, now, uh, Romania's situation, uh, as far as uh, the weaponry of literature is concerned, is a more special one. And before uh, giving the floor to uh, our distinguished uh, friends here, uh, I would like to say a few words about uh, the specific features of the background of Romania's literature. Because um, as probably uh, many of you uh, know, uh, there is a great deal of fuzziness even about Romania. Uh, uh, 
Romania, whose capital is either Budapest or Bucharest. Romania is somewhere in the Balkans, somewhere in Central Europe, and so on and so forth. So what about Romania's uh, letters and Romania's cultural heritage? Um, briskly, if I can, I would like to say uh, this. There are three basic features that distinguish Romanian literature from uh, the literatures uh, we are more or less acquainted with. I mean, world literature. It's, it's tardiness in coming into being. As a matter of fact, I would say that uh, Romanian literature is roughly the same age as American literature. <clears throat> it came into being uh, very late and uh, its first voices that really meant something uh, started to make themselves uh, uh, heard uh, by the middle of the 19th century. And there was the equivalent of a colonial period in Romanian literature. Before that, and this is the second distinctive feature, uh, there was a long era of orality, a huge stretch of time in which literature was oral, not written. And I think this vein of orality is something one must keep in mind when discussing how literature functions as a weapon, or how it has been functioning as a weapon uh, in the context of Romanian intellectual life. As we know, silence, too, is a way of acting, or a way of uh, defending a position, of marking an opposition. Uh, the third feature that derives from all this, <coughs> and we should go into lengthy uh, uh, parentheses, and there is no time for this now, is what I would term a stepchild complex. Uh, because it was so late in coming into being, and there was such a strong oral vein because of its isolation and because of uh, um, the fact that, as against the case of other Romance literatures, the Portuguese one, French, Italian, Spanish, and so on, uh, Romanian literature is the only Romance literature with uh, this special treatment of isolation, the treatment of um, silence, and a historical predicament that bears very heavily on the present. So much about Romanian literature in general terms. Uh, second of all, I think a few words should be said about the idea of the word as a weapon. <coughs> Generally speaking, as I said in the beginning, and everybody here probably agrees, uh, any tool used to a certain, with a certain purpose in view is a weapon. But as far as speech constructs, constructs are concerned, as far as uh, word arts are concerned, uh, the idea of a weapon, of an arm at work, should be taken with a grain of salt and with a number of very important distinctions. 
And these have to do with the literary genres on the one hand, the traditions on the other hand, and third of all, I would say, with the communities using the word as such. Inside the field of Romanian literature, uh, satire, of course, will resort to the word using it as a weapon more than lyric poetry, and it's obvious. Uh, the theater, satire, will be more in a position to handle the word as a weapon. Fiction is different, and poetry is different. Then, the communities that would be using the word as a weapon have to be taken into consideration in their turn, and I think, on the one hand, we have the case of Romania's literature uh, being at work inside Romania and outside Romania, so there are two communities using the word as a weapon, and I should say that the differences are obvious. There are two ways of resorting to the word in order to strike home a truth inside Romania and outside Romania. And uh, there's also a matter of uh, uh, idiosyncrasy, if you wish. There are certain people who would prefer to resort to metaphor, communities of writers that uh, belong to a certain family of spirit that would uh, tend to uh, use metaphor as a weapon and the oblique way. And others will be prone to using the word as a direct argument uh, to strike blows and uh, try to demolish the establishment. Um, in the case of Romania's letters over the past 40 years of so, or so, we have to do with a very special instance of the relationship between the establishment on the one hand and the man of letters on the other hand. Because it's not just literature trying to uh, uh, fight back against decay, against death, against mortality, against the evils and vices around us. It's not literature uh, fighting back against the establishment the way in which this, this used to happen, uh, let's say, in, um, uh, at the age of uh, uh, the, the English Renaissance, the shortest way with dissenters, or um, remember uh, Daniel Defoe uh, was punished and others, and uh, there are many instances of censorship and of uh, antagonism between uh, the writer and the establishment before the advent of the era of communism. So we're going to focus on the past 40 years of so, or so of Romania's history uh, in conditions, on the conditions where the state, the communist kind of state, used special methods of censorship. Uh, Borges said that censorship is the mother of metaphor, and of course, lots of metaphors uh, have been uh, uh, pouring forth out of this predicament. 
And Joyce said that we are olives, press us. So he was referring, of course, to the uh, essential qualities of the writer's talent. Under pressure, they will yield the fruit. Um, so the specifics being a special kind of establishment, the antecedents being uh, tardiness, strong oral vein, and a complex of isolation, um, I think it's time to get down to brass tacks. And since we have a poet here, and a prose writer, and an essayist, and a critic, and literary historian, to broach, uh, if you wish, uh, uh, poetry is the queen of letters, and uh, ladies come first always. So I would kindly ask <coughs> Nina to tell us a few words about the specific ways in which poetry has been at work inside Romania, outside Romania, under the dire conditions of a totalitarian system. What kind of tools did poetry uh, use? Uh, what kind of modes? How many keyboards were there in Romania to uh, give that thing of beauty that is a joy forever? Uh, you should have warned me first <laughs> that you are going to aggress me and address me uh, so uh, abruptly. Uh, first of all, I'm not a teacher, I'm not a professor, I'm not a, a historian. My relationship with history are very bad. I mean, uh, since I noticed that uh, history is rather a succession of uh, different versions, uh, since I noticed that uh, history, ultimately, it's a kind of bloody struggle for power, I uh, just broke with history. It's over for me. Uh, <laughs> so on the other hand, I am not uh, a uh, very uh, disciplined, I'm not a theoretician either. And uh, I, I hate to uh, help speeches. I, I would try to make a long story as short as possible. And of course, I ask your tolerance for my clumsy English and for my unmistakable accent. Okay. So, uh, poetry. Uh, I can tell you about uh, my experience because uh, unfortunately I am old enough to have gone through all the major uh, phases and stages of uh, uh, oppression in uh, the so-called socialist or so-called communist Romania. I wouldn't call it this way because very few principles were ever observed. But it started so after the war, I didn't enjoy the, the, uh, um, the beneficial um, society of capitalism, I was too young. And uh, it was then, it was in my adolescence, the war. And then when I was young enough to uh, face life, 
already not exactly the Iron Curtain. I had about three or four years. So let's say after 44, it was 45, 46, 47, when there was a kind of ambiguous freedom, but nevertheless a kind of freedom. Our uh, best surrealist poets, for instance, Virgil Teodorescu and Geru Naum, I won't bother you with names because I know that's fastidious and it's... But uh, believe me, they, were, uh, they are considered by the uh, uh, very orthodox surrealists in France as good um, comrades in uh, surrealism, not in communism. So uh, uh, in uh, those years were full of hope, a kind of mixture of uh, experiments in, in poetry, and the, uh, the rigidity was on its way, probably, but we didn't feel it yet. In 48, indeed, the Iron Curtain fell with a big bang, and uh, the first sign, the most spectacular one, was the demolition, yes, of the greatest Romanian poet in this time, in that time, Tudor Argezi. Uh, he is probably the greatest Romanian poet after Eminescu, after our national poet, you know, Byron, Pushkin, etc. Everybody has one. Uh, so Argezi, the greatest poet alive at that time, was literally demolished, fortunately only temporarily, uh, by an article in uh, the official uh, party paper, as a decadent, as a rotten poet, as a bourgeois, as an enemy of a people, whatever you want, name it. And he uh, entered a zone of uh, silence and uh, taboo. His name was banished, it was taboo, for years. After him, right after him, one month after, the second victim was me. It sounds ridiculous because at that time I was literally nobody. Not that today I am somebody, but anyway, then I was nobody. And, uh, uh, but I was a young um, uh, communist poet. I entered the communist uh, youth in uh, wartime, uh, being attracted by this uh, movement because it was anti-fascist and it was fascism in Romania. It's understandable, uh, understandable when you are 15 to be naive and to hope for a change, which I imagined just wonderful and solving all the bloody antagonisms uh, uh, in the world between sexes, of course, women's rights was one of the attractions that brought me to this movement, because it was uh, stipulated there, and uh, uh, the end of, uh, I don't know, the struggle between races and uh, nations and people and so on and so forth. So I was one of them, and they destroyed me. Another article in the same official paper of the Communist Party said that I am an enemy of the people, that I am decadent, that I am portrayed, that I am, well, I have the article with me here in America. So uh, it started this way and then gradually, but pretty rapidly, uh, rigidity, dogmatism, and the so-called prolet cultism erupted and stayed there in our life for an eternity, for at least eight years, if not more. 
What uh, it meant was um, just a few themes allowed. That was peace, uh, working class, uh, Stalin, um, the, uh, the Soviet Union, and so on and so forth. Uh, as for the tools, the metaphor was banished. I mean, metaphor, what's a metaphor? It's an ornament. It's a luxury. It's a frivolity. So we have to end. Then the, the, uh, the language itself um, decayed, decreased, and it began, I mean, the vocabulary was so um, uh, mean and so small, we, we used, I don't know, about 120 words, and that was all, and always the same. Okay, this is for 45, 48, until 57, 56. It was a kind of thaw, a slow thaw, but it began. Stalin was dead, and the words came back gradually to poetry and to poets themselves. Uh, now, um, then it uh, went better and better, and uh, in the 60s it was really a, an explosion of very good poetry. We recuperated as after a long drought, you know, it was such a uh, luxurious, it was like a, uh, the greenest and the most uh, um, uh, gorgeous jungle of uh, wonders and splendors in poetry. And it still is. I must say this, Romanian poetry is just great. But now, we were working still under pressure, and censorship was always there. I will continue my uh, words, but after Matei, will tell us uh, something about uh, successive censorships. And then we come to the word as a weapon. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also perhaps, uh, yeah, the word as a weapon. And uh, then we'll get back to the concept of dissidence under the given conditions and in, uh, at the various stages that Matei is going to tackle right away. Uh, is the word a weapon? Of course it is, in a metaphorical sense. But also, the word can be seen metaphorically uh, in, other, uh, uh, in other implications. For instance, the word as a mask. The second, this metaphor of the word as a mask is perhaps more relevant to Romania during the period under discussion, a case in the history of tyranny and infamy in which the open confrontation suggested by the weapon metaphor was all but impossible. In such a situation, the word is primarily used to conceal meaning, to protect meaning that is essentially fragile, to deceive the enemy, to signal to the friends. Uh, we see the appearance of codes, coded languages, um, reading between the lines and so on and so forth. Now, uh, I don't want to insist on that, but this question of concealment of meaning uh, has potentially great uh, and very interesting theoretical implication for an understanding of literature. Now I want to uh, uh, propose just a, a very uh, summary periodization of the post-war uh, period in Romania 
in terms of uh, censorship. Uh, this uh, periodization may be interesting in light of the fact that uh, uh, we have the rare opportunity in history of a back-to-the-future situation, if you wish, in which Romania and other East European uh, countries find themselves now. Uh, we must now go back to the immediate post-war to the period 45-47 and try to choose another future for ourselves. So I will start with the immediate post-war. 1945-1947 was a period of intellectual freedom, but also a period in which we see the gradual introduction of censorship. Uh, the first list of forbidden books appear, and uh, this is also a period uh, in which cultural and institutional russification of the country uh, are uh, uh, very incre increasingly uh, uh, imposed. 48-53, as Nina Kassian said, 48 is the year when the Iron Curtain falls. Uh, total Stalinist censorship is in place. The official literary doctrine is socialist realism. Uh, we witness in Romania an intense Russification. Stalin's birthday and the 7th of November, the date of the Russian Revolution, become national holidays. Uh, the whole doctrine of socialist realism from uh, Russia is uh, imported uh, and imposed. Between 53 and 63, we see variations on the Stalinist model of censorship, a pattern of incipient and very brief uh, thaws and renewed deep freezes. The worst such freeze occurs in 58-59, uh, uh, the year of a veritable anti-intellectual witch hunt. Toward the end of this period, toward the end of uh, the period 53-63, we see a quasi-liberalization uh, in the making. In 1964, uh, the liberalization, the quasi-liberalization from above, from the top, uh, is uh, instituted. All the political prisoners are released, and in April of 1964, the Romanian Communist Party, then under uh, Gheorghe Udej, declares its independence from the Soviet Party, taking advantage of the Sino-Soviet rift. So we may date the appearance of national communism uh, 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 in 1964. In 1965, Ceausescu comes to power. Between 1965 and 1971, the period of quasi-liberalization continues. It's a period in which Ceausescu uh, consolidates his power and uh, at the same time eliminates the old guard, the Georgiudej communist, the Moscow-oriented communist. We see now the appearance of a new system of censorship, and maybe of what we may call, if we uh, accept the idea proposed by the Hungarian dissident Miklos Harashti, the aesthetics of censorship. 
censorship uh, is no longer intolerant to art. Uh, aesthetics and even aestheticism becomes possible under censorship, and sometimes it is even encouraged because of uh, the apolitical qualities uh, linked to, to aestheticism. Uh, in Stalinism, uh, censorship tolerated only one type uh, of uh, literature, one type of official discourse. The official discourse was totally unitary. Uh, now, in the period that I'm discussing now, uh, a period of neo-Stalinism, let's call it, starting with the liberalization, then a period of Chaoshism. Um, there are two kinds of political discourse that are permitted. Discourse A is a festive discourse, celebratory, ridden with the cliches of party propaganda, of the cult of personality. Uh, Ceausescu was called the genius of the Carpathians, the Danube of thought, etc., etc. So there is uh, this discourse that I would uh, say is uh, couched in the wooden language. Discourse B is professional, competent, using a more flexible or a real language. Under discourse B uh, can be ranged, aside from literature in the uh, well-known uh, literary genres, studies of foreign literatures and cultures, essays, translations. Uh, all of these uh, 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 things happened throughout the Ceausescu years. So we had two types of discourse, and people who were uh, 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 writing in discourse B well, were also expected, but not materially coerced to occasionally practice discourse A, to write, for instance, in the party newspaper a celebratory note uh, in order to show their allegiance. Uh, increasingly, during the last years of the Ceausescu era, it was uh, more difficult not to uh, uh, participate in, in discourse A. But some uh, writers uh, remained silent, and uh, their silence uh, became uh, heroic, and in a sense it became a, it became a weapon. It was felt as a weapon by the representatives of the regime. Now let me go back to the periodization. Uh, so in uh, this second, uh, in this last period, um, we see a number of uh, interesting phenomena happening. Uh, a censorship tolerated and even a censorship induced uh, uh, truthfulness. Uh, what do I say, uh, do I mean by this? Uh, the party and the party censor allow certain writers to manifest courage to speak uh, certain uh, partial truths as a reward, as a privilege, for being 
faithful for practicing occasionally the wooden language. So in a sense, we see um, that uh, uh, courage itself, political courage, becomes a privilege distributed uh, by the party and uh, with the effect of uh, producing a corruption uh, of, of values, a corruption uh, and the confusion of criteria. Uh, in the 60s, we uh, <coughs> witnessed the appearance of various kinds of dissident uh, movements and dissident phenomena that are very limited by comparison with those in uh, the Soviet Union and in other countries, but that are still significant. And I would note very briefly here, 1966 to 1972, uh, the appearance of a group of young writers uh, who called themselves the Oneiric group, who were practicing a sort of surrealist dream literature. Uh, they were persecuted by the party. In between 1970 and 1976, a more directly political movement uh, uh, initiated by the writer Paul Goma, who was forced into exile subsequently. And in the 80s, a number of individual cases of dissenting writer, writers, among whom Mircea Dinescu, who is uh, uh, a major poet and uh, today the president of the Union of Writers in Bucharest, uh, Dan Petrescu and others, younger people, but also representatives of the older generation, even former Stalinists, such as Dan Deschlieu. Uh, then we uh, see many uh, writers uh, choosing the path of exile, which is a, a very interesting phenomenon in the history of Romania, because Romania was not a, generally a country uh, of exile. There were certainly intellectuals who went to the West in order to manifest themselves uh, uh, more fully, and we know uh, the uh, example of Brancusi, the great modern sculptor. Uh, we know the examples of some uh, uh, world-famous authors, such as uh, uh, Eugène Ionesco, uh, Emile Cioran, and others. But uh, never was there in, uh, in the history of Romania such a massive uh, intellectual exodus as uh, that in the 1970s and 80s. The new exiles, uh, I think, must also be considered among the dissidents. Exile is a form of dissent. And I would uh, uh, mention here the names of a few writers, Ion Karajon, a great poet, uh, Nina Cassian, Norman Mania, Lucian Raiku, and others. Uh, a, a, a very brief note to, to end this uh, intervention. A certain sense of professional integrity was possible throughout the Ceausescu era. It was very difficult to maintain, very heroic, but it was possible. It was often tied to an informal status in a sort of ethical intellectual elite. 
which was an expression of a suppressed public opinion. Uh, writers who practiced the wooden language even rarely were despised by this secret public opinion. Writers uh, who adopted a more dignified attitude uh, were respected and uh, occupied significant position in this intellectual elite. What we see in a sense is a revival, a strange revival in the late 20th century of what the anthropologists call a culture of shame as opposed to a culture of guilt. A secretly and not so secretly perhaps functioning public opinion held up for shame those who had lauded the Ceausescu's excessively, extravagantly, etc. In the West, for instance, the uh, emigre uh, writer Virgilia Runca published a magazine called Limite, in which he regularly published what he called an anthology of shame, in which uh, he reproduced uh, the declarations uh, uh, about Ceausescu made by various Romanian writers in various periodicals, starting with the party newspaper and uh, uh, going to the <coughs> smaller circulating periodicals. So uh, it was felt as a shame to, to, uh, to participate in the cult, in the grotesque cult of personality of Ceausescu. So ethical professional standards were maintained, and we can quote here a few interesting groups. The group around the philosopher Constantin Noica, uh, with intellectuals, uh, philosophers like uh, Li Gabriel Liciano or An Andrei Pleshu. Um, these uh, manifestations explain why after the fall of Ceausescu, Romanian culture in its doubleness, as it were, uh, is not uh, a culture unprepared for democracy. It's not a culture that uh, is completely out of tune with what has been going on uh, in, the, in the world during the last uh, four decades or so. So there is a basis from which to build. That's what yeah. I wanted to say. Yeah, thank you very much for these remarks. They help setting the mental landscape um, in fresh perspectives and uh, will help also uh, uh, further remarks on the ways in which uh, uh, literature has been functioning as a weapon. Um, to this basic question uh, we keep getting back to, uh, I will ask Norman now to say a few words, and uh, then we'll continue our discussion uh, with further bearings into the landscape of Romania's letters today. Uh, as you already uh, heard, each of us have another English uh, language. So I am the freshman in English. I hope uh, you will still understand me. You'll understand my excellent Romanian translated into English, into my poor English. And each of us has a different experience and a different biography. 
for me, the word uh, was at the beginning a miracle, a wonder. I came uh, back to Romania <coughs> when I was a nine year old from a concentration camp. And uh, one of the first gifts that I received was a book of fairy tales. Uh, I will never forget probably this uh, green heart covered book by a wonderful Romanian popular writer. His name is Jan Kranger. So uh, <coughs> I discovered the word, and I discovered in the same time a way to escape the reality, the daily life reality. I had uh, a few years ago a conversation with a Romanian uh, dissident. And he told me that he discovered the monstrosity of the communist society when he was nine years old. I cannot say this. When I was nine years old, I rediscovered the life as a wonderful miracle and also the books and the word. And I uh, started to play with words, and I started to enjoy reading and writing. Paradoxically or not, uh, this Romanian dissident was a party member in Romania. Even he understood at nine the monstrosity of the society. I never was a party member, and I wasn't a dissident. One of the reactions to the too heavy politicization of life was in Romania for some people and for some artists the retreat into private life, the retreat into a professional life, in the artist's case, in his art, in his vocation. I uh, try to avoid the very uh, hard period of the first post-Stalinist period working for 14 years as an engineer. I uh, kept, of course, reading and writing this time. And I published my first books and my first text in the so-called uh, period of liberalization in Romania. Of course, I discovered, uh, me too, uh, the cruelty and the demagogy of the society in which I lived. 
I discovered it as an adolescent, I think, at 16, at 17. And this was the reason that I, I took this solution, this retreat from the public life. And I discovered, of course, that the world can be a weapon, can be used and abused against us. And we can, at the same time, use the world as a weapon. And uh, we used it, and my own literature became, in the last decade, under the pressure of this uh, crazy dictatorship, more and more politicized. It was, in the same time, a fight for the language, for the true language, for the literary language, against the official and bureaucratic language of the, of the government and of the ideology. I think that uh, maybe we will have time to explain some distortions which occurred in this period in order to explain why this period is probably huge duplicity and opportunism in this period had, uh, as we will can explain here also for the cultural life, not only a, a bad and unbearable side, it had sometime also some good side, some good aspects. So was possible to publish books, so as possible <clears throat> to read the most important books written by the foreign writers. And so was possible even a kind of revolt to our writing against the government, against the regime, which was not possible in the Stalinist period. I would say that the Ceausescu period was maybe darker than the Stalinist period. In the last period of seven, eight years. But it was for sure a more complex period. Because uh, it was a period of more than 20 years. And if we want to separate the periods in, in this time to maybe three periods of seven, eight years each, we'll see how different these intervals were. So a miracle, I hope, still for me and for you, the world uh, is and has to be sometime, unfortunately, 
also a weapon. Thank you very much, Norman. Uh, what he has just said, of course, uh, brings up uh, a number of things that might need more clarification. Uh, we've been hearing from uh, uh, Nina about uh, the plight of poetry. Uh, Mate has just explained the uh, uh, periods in which uh, this tug of war took place and gave us some glimpses into the ways um, of the, this uh, war. Uh, and uh, uh, Norman um, has raised the matter of dissent, the matter of distortions, and also the matter of the methods of fighting back uh, against the uh, oppression of the regime. And um, his was a very colorful and in true fashion for a prose writer, uh, very colorful and very cogent description of what it has meant to him to be a prose writer uh, in contemporary Romania. Now, the point of dissidence he has been raising, <coughs> uh, I think a good and useful distinction uh, one should have in mind here, especially against the backdrop of Romania's uh, literature these years, is the distinction between dissidence on the one hand and opposition on the other hand. Uh, he's been suggesting that people who happen to have shared the views of some kind of establishment and change their minds are dissidents. People who were never part of this establishment but held different views and chose to stay aloof and uh, keep silent at times uh, were all involved in some kind of opposition. As we were mentioning in the beginning, silence, especially in the context of Romanian literature, has been uh, a method of opposition. So when discussing the ways of uh, fighting back the oppression of the establishment, in the case of Romanian literature, uh, opposition should be taken as one thing and dissidence as a different thing. Uh, as I see it, dissidents, uh, more often than not, uh, made spectacular gestures, resorted to the medium of uh, journalistic prose, expositive prose, uh, and uh, in a way uh, took a special position inside the vast array of means that any literature has at its disposal. Opposition is more fluid. It resorts to the concept of the mask that Matei has uh, been sketching for us, silence, and as far as the medium of prose is concerned, parable, allegory, esopic uh, tales, and so on. One last point uh, Norman has raised, and I think uh, is worth discussing, uh, 
is uh, the fact that paradoxically enough, a number of good works made it to the printing press and came to be published. Uh, I think there are two reasons for this. On the one hand, we have the external factor. And it's good to talk about this here at the pen. The velvet prison Harasti has been describing in that book is made, has been made of a variety of very perfidious techniques. And one of these techniques was to create the impression abroad that good works are published, that there is a communication. By the way, translations make up an important part of any literature. And Romanian literature has benefited from many very good, momentous translations during all these years. Would you believe that James Joyce's Ulysses was translated and published into Romanian under the Ceausescu uh, dictatorship? Yeah. This was a good window dressing for the West. So if good works managed to make it to the press, I think the importance of the external factor, uh, they were very much aware of this factor, explains why, as a uh, face-saving device, they allowed a number of works to be published irrespective of the fact that they were uh, fully aware of the content and of things that were considered subversive. And the second explanation for the good works that managed to be published, I think, is that in its perfidious tactics, inside that velvet prison, the establishment, the totalitarian establishment of Romania has always been keen on buying the goodwill of the artist, of the writer. It was a kind of dressage, a taming technique, a way of making the author feel good, keep quiet, while they, the establishment, kept a very strong hand, a very strong grasp over the whole of society and over, of course, the uh, life of the mind. And uh, I would like to quote from George Steiner, who, speaking about the paradox of Marxist autocracy, has it that its constant preoccupation with the life of the mind makes the writer a figure central to the body politic. To shoot a man because one disagrees with his interpretation of Darwin or Hegel is a sinister tribute to the supremacy of ideas in human affairs, but a tribute nevertheless. So uh, starting from this, we might get back to poetry now and ask Nina to tell us a few words about this tribute 
that the establishment in one way or another will be paying to the artist because the artist is, we believe, the central piece of human society. First of all, uh, so after uh, 48, when the Iron Curtain was already there, it was a kind, the establishment made somehow a deal with us. They said, they didn't say it uh, openly, but that was the meaning. You are serving us and we are paying you. And they paid us, indeed. For instance, I uh, managed to be a freelance writer since I was 23 years old. That isn't uh, imaginable in here or in a normal society. But there, under the pretext, under the wonderful pretext that the artist is useful in society, that he has to play an important role, the artist, the writer, etc., they asked us to serve their propaganda, but very strictly, and they paid us accordingly. That was not somehow... In the, not, I'm sorry? In, not in the last decade. No, no I'm uh, talking in 48. That changed. Of course, <laughs> that changed. But you know, they couldn't stop the mechanical toy anymore. Because uh, when we didn't uh, serve them anymore, they still had to pay us for a time being, not as well. It was decreasing slowly, and they hated us more and more. But uh, the idea was there, and it was already started, and that was uh, how it worked. Now, um, as uh, I, I wanted to interrupt you when you said about that uh, taming by allowing uh, good works to be published and uh, good translations to be made, etc. No matter the reasons, we profited of that. Uh, and uh, I'm very happy that we had that, Ulysses, that we have almost all the, the very uh, great uh, American and English poets translated and in good translations into Romanian. And uh, uh, during the Russification, period, for instance, we translated, and very good, almost the great literature, Russian literature of the 19th century. So finally, we profited. I won't um, uh, make uh, excuses for them. I just say that dealing with culture is a very dangerous thing for rulers. They try to manipulate us, and they succeed for a time being, and then here we are, literature and art, like a living creature. It breathes. It cannot be stopped anymore. So um, uh, actually, um, about uh, the word as a weapon, uh, I would prefer to uh, uh, the address of my uh, poems uh, not to uh, be uh, directed uh, to a, um, a very a specific and temporary target. For instance, what would have been a subversive poem? A poem saying that Ceausescu is a monster. But by the way, that, this is not, not a poem. <laughs> is it a poem? Not really. Okay, uh, but uh, um, on the other hand, I, I wrote some poems against Ceausescu, but they were addressed more against tyranny. 
and in, in the depth of the uh, personification of Ceausescu, who's just a, who was just a, uh, uh, let's say, uh, a, a shape of dust, uh, but uh, pers um, personifying, personifying. A, a category, a much, a much larger category and an idea. So uh, the address of, uh, I'm talking about poetry only, is uh, rather, uh, it can be social, it can be moral, ethical, but not always uh, and strictly political. That's not obligatory. And because I, I'm literally fed up with politics, because as I told you, I had my involvement and then my great disappointments and then my great changes and uh, I was appalled uh, by seeing, uh, watching my ideas and my ideals being not only ignored but literally crushed. So I prefer and I think that's what I'm going to do. Yes, I'm not indifferent. I'm not an elitist poet. I don't want to be in my ivory, uh, no, tower, yes, oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> uh, but my um, approach and uh, I would like them to uh, refer rather to social and especially to moral uh, issues than to strictly political. This is also a form of arrogance, you know. We don't like to deal with transitory things, like Ceausescu, <laughs> for instance. We, we, uh, we, uh, want, uh, we wish to uh, point to eternity, or anyway, to, uh, to uh, everlasting uh, ideas and themes and so on. But, okay, well, that was Norman <laughs> wants to give an example in the yeah, same okay. vein. All right, maybe. Uh, you give me the role of the novelist, uh, so I have to be very concrete and, and short. And precise. I have, to, I have to say that Nina wrote uh, some very good novels and short stories also, so, uh, and Matej Kalinescu is the author of a, of a wonderful novel in, in the Romanian literature. So, uh, but today, it's my role to be the, the novelist. Of course, you, you couldn't publish probably a poem, Ceausescu is a monster, even if I'm sure that with your talent, <laughs> you could make it a poem. Uh, the problem is about duplicity here. And I have here a long report by the censorship. It's, it's too complicated to, to, to read it, but I want to give only one example. I think it's significant. I published in the early 80s a short novel <laughs> with the title Robot Biography. And I think it's quite an honest picture of the totalitarian Romanian society. The main character in this short novel is a fanatic, schizophrenic party bureaucrat. And I emphasized in the novel his birthday. It was January 26. <laughs> For Romanians, it means something. January 26 uh, was the birthday of Ceausescu. 
And of course, the publisher was very afraid when he read the manuscript, but he agreed to let it there. And even the censorship agreed, and the book appeared. And a lot of friends, a lot of friends and literary critics, before and after the book appeared, were very afraid. And they asked me how I took this great risk. I'm sure, of course, that this page uh, has his place in my dossier as a secret police. But this is not the point. The point is that the book appeared. So it was a complicity and a duplicity on the entire channel, on the entire line. Yeah. And you can ask me, now Ceausescu is dead, and this detail is also dead. So, uh, so what? <laughs> <laughs> the problem is if this text, if this story is still valuable, literary. But this detail, and I hope it is, but this detail had a meaning. And the reader understood it. But not only the reader, the publisher and the censorship. Yeah. It's difficult to explain the reason why the censorship agreed, especially. We can suppose that maybe he was afraid even to speak about this detail, <laughs> even to make the connection between this fanatic exactly. bureaucrat and our great leader. But it doesn't matter. This is a reality. The book is here. Maybe even the English publisher will be afraid to publish it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the book is here, and I hope the book is still alive, with or without this detail. But this detail was important. Yeah. And it's amazing. And it's uh, unthinkable how it could appear. Yeah, very good remarks. Now, I think it's time for us to move on to the future and what's in store uh, for Romanian literature in the future now that uh, many of the conditions uh, we've been discussing so far yeah, um, uh, have ceased to exist. So uh, there are a couple of problems here. First, I would say the problem of the language. What, what's going to happen to the language, to the Romanian language tinted with the wooden tongue of the totalitarian uh, parlance? Only part of it. Yeah. Part of it, of course, because literature has been functioning as a citadel preserving uh, the health of the language. But the language as such, I mean, Romanian today, is marked in its uh, vocabulary by a number of uh, things that uh, affect the deep sinews 
of communication, the semantics uh, that are uh, indispensable for the for passing the message across, uh, words that have been debased, and so on. Second problem would be, if you agree, the problem of the generation gap, because uh, there is a young generation of writers that have started to create now and <coughs> look forward. There might be something interesting to ponder about the themes. Will the themes all be revolving around the years of the dictatorship, around uh, revenge, around punishment, healing, and lastly, perhaps uh, one thing to consider about the future of Romanian literature is what exactly will the role of the artist be now that in all likelihood the state won't be that interested in keeping a close eye on him. Uh, so these are just hints, and you might wish to tackle these points. Uh, Matei, would you like to, to broach this? Certainly. Um, <coughs> uh, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke on the telephone with a friend of mine who teaches at the University of Bucharest, and I was asking him what his impressions were, how he felt, etc. And uh, I remember his answer, which was very, very brief. He said, I am amazed at uh, the enormity of the opportunism, of intellectual opportunism. And I think this is a very interesting question, because there is a, a price to be paid for all of this duplicity over the last four decades. There were many official writers, uh, some of them quite talented, uh, who uh, published uh, uh, numerous books, uh, some of them uh, directly uh, participating in the cult of the personality of Ceausescu, others apparently more neutral. Uh, now these writers, of course, have forgotten the past. No, they are all former dissidents. Uh, there was no one who was uh, in favor of Ceausescu. Some of these writers uh, have uh, become members of the new parties and so on and so forth. So the situation is very confused and it resembles very much uh, the atmosphere of uh, the late 19th century uh, comedies of uh, Caragiale, a great uh, Romanian classic. Uh, so, uh, of course, there is a question of reviving uh, the language, of destroying the wooden language, which, by the way, I have seen uh, some uh, publications, uh, some post-Ceausescu publications, and many of them, particularly the newspapers, continue to be written exactly in the same wooden language, which is now applied to the revolution. So the whole rhetoric is the same. Exactly. Uh, the literary journals uh, are better because the literary journals were allowed to uh, use uh, the wooden language only for pages one through three, and, and 
this course B was allowed in the rest, so uh, it's better. There are questions about uh, about literary criticism that are uh, uh, quite interesting. In the uh, the Times Literary Supplement of London, in the issue of January 19th, 25th, 1990, devoted uh, several pages to Romania. And there are some interesting reviews of books about Romania, some essays, uh, some poems translated. And I have read a, a, an article by um, a, a Romanian-American who teaches uh, in Washington, D.C., and it is entitled Criticism and the Coded Debate. And he discusses about a number of literary critics uh, who published in Romania from the 50s and 60s on. And his argument is that uh, they engaged into a coded debate. Now, my question would be, can a true debate be coded? Uh, what does the fact of coding, including double meaning and duplicitous meaning, often. What, do, uh, what does coding do to the, the quality, to the intellectual and moral quality of, of a debate? Uh, there are certain dangers uh, linked to the secret or rather oblique languages uh, that are used in political situations. Dangers to the quality of a debate, to its nature, to its demands of openness. Now, Democracy, as far as uh, I'm concerned, uh, is almost synonymous with transparency. Um, secrecy uh, has advantages and disadvantages. As uh, uh, Bambi Breziano uh, quoted Borges, censorship is the mother of metaphor. On the other hand, uh, secrecy uh, has corrupting uh, corrupting effects uh, very often. So these are problems that will have to be sorted out uh, in, in Romania. I'm basically optimistic. I think that uh, although Romania has a fragile tra tradition of, of democracy, the, uh, Romania has a very interesting literature uh, and uh, it will uh, be able to, to uh, find a way of dealing with the new issues and of, uh, of uh, uh, facing the question of the responsibility of the writer, which is, I think, at this point, you know, when we see this wave of opportunism uh, in, in the country, uh, 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 the, the writer should face uh, uh, his conscience, sh uh, should submit himself to uh, to uh, serious moral self-analysis, and I think that this will become possible, and this will lead to interesting results. Very good, thank you very much. Norman, would you like to say a few words about the future of fiction, perhaps? I don't know my future, so <laughs> it's difficult to speak about the future of a country. No, fiction. Fiction <laughs> is, is much more easier, but fiction is so... Uh, Will Unpre fiction emphasize uh, so um, will it need uh, uh, I think parables that, and allegories uh, I and think uh, that it's it's quite clear that uh, 
it will be much more freedom for, for creation in Romania, I hope. So uh, the literature, I think it will be even maybe better that it, than it was uh, now. Uh, in Romania, it was never a lack of very talented writers, and I, I'm sure that there are a lot of very young, uh, and I, I, I know a lot of them, very young and talented writers. It, it will be a good literature, but you can't uh, separate literature from, from society. And uh, literature was not bad even under Ceausescu, I have to say. You will find a very interesting book. Of course, not a lot, but you will find. So the problem is how Romania will, will be in, in the next uh, decade. Uh, I received a letter a few days ago from a friend of mine from England. She is herself a writer, and she uh, told me that she watched as the television a lot of programs about Romania. And she was very interested about uh, an interview with a family of peasants, very modest, common family. And uh, the man showed to, to, to the journalist the wall of the, of the room. And he said, look, here we were obliged to, to keep the portrait of Ceausescu. And now, finally, we change it. We put instead the portrait of Sue Allen and G.R. from Dallas, from, from the movie Dallas. <laughs> so if this is a change, I am not very sure that it's the best change. Uh, Anyway, we have to hope and to joke in the same time. <laughs> and uh, I hope it will be better, but because it was so bad, then worse, it's not possible to be. Yeah. Yes, but never say that. It's always Now, perhaps a few last words from Nina about the future of poetry, and then we uh, would like to take questions from the audience, uh, if there are any. But first, Nina. Uh, no, well, first I disagree with you with the gap between generations, also that is not so well, asking a question. such <laughs> thing whatsoever, yeah. yeah. No, so, yeah. Uh, I'm not talking only about myself, I have friends from every, every generations, much younger than me and much older. And I don't think that this is a, a, a problem because in uh, the field of values, it really doesn't count. I know uh, each uh, generation, new generation, has the idea that now something, a new world begins, etc. In fact, in some years, the true values will be integrated in the great flow of, of uh, true and, uh, well, literature and whatever. 
for, as for the Romanian poetry, uh, uh, Norman, I'm sorry I was talking to Andrei and I didn't hear your joke. You said something very important. I will tell you in important. Romanian. Please. I will tell you in Romanian. Okay, it will because, be much easier. <laughs> because what I want to tell you is that Romanian poetry is so wonderful at this time, mm -hmm. at the present time, and it was for almost, I might say, 20 years. I know it, yeah. If not under Ceausescu. Uh, that uh, indeed, I, I wonder uh, if it won't, uh, perhaps we will have now a period of slowing down of the talents, because you know, um, it's like a natural source, poetry and talent. I see what happens in France, for instance, after a wonderful, uh, uh, glorious beginning at the beginning of the century and until the half of the century. What happens nowadays in France is very disappointing. Yes, uh, but in, Romanian in literature is still young. And, uh, and uh, so I wonder that perhaps after such an explosion, as I told you, of real talents, a great variety of styles, we don't have uh, tyrannic uh, uh, schools. Uh, you, you know, uh, uh, because we have so many personalities, and usually personalities don't belong to schools. They start one, but uh, Shakespeare don't, don't, doesn't belong to a school. Or, you know, the, uh, and we had almost not Shakespeare all over. I'm not uh, crazy to exaggerate, uh, but uh, we have very important personalities, a lot. So if they are really serious artists, they will probably continue, go on with their work and with their uh, vision and whatever. Um, what will happen generally now that the stimulus, the stimulus of the um, forbidden, of the censorship, etc., will not exist anymore, I don't know. Because as you know very well, the real um, creativity uh, took place in these last decades, especially in frustrated countries. And the poetry was very much alive and very expressive where? In the Soviet Union, in the Eastern countries, in Spain, in Greece, in South America, generally in frustrated countries. So this is a point of interrogation. I don't know what's going to happen now, if everything is very handy suddenly, and nobody tells us what to write, and nobody asks us, as I was asked to take off each time the word tyrant was put, I had to take it off from my last book published in Romania. They published the book, the poem was there, but not the word tyrant. So I had to say, there are some, some people you can hear of um, some that uh, everything, but the poem was still there. Okay, now we have the right to put the word tyrant. Will the poem get better? I don't know. But it, it's a question. Without the stimulus, we'll find, you know, we find contradictions in life all the time. We don't need a dictatorship to know that we have to that we, are, we have uh, restrictions, and if it wasn't but for our limited life, no? We are limited. So there are always limits, limits to be, um, what, fought uh, against. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, uh, we would like to uh, to take questions uh, from uh, the audience. Uh, 
uh, if there are any. This one over there. Yes. Yeah. We have uh, the writers, the poets, and the critics. Now I want to speak as the public. The profession of writer is very difficult. He never knows where his work is going to reach. This public, I can say that in Romania, it was a moral disaster that occurred in 1944, continues to occur over 40 years and occurs now too. In Romania, communists were supportable, at least until I left, because nobody believed it. Everybody knew, and by such a thing that you are really truth about what happened and what went to happen. No tragedy in Romania will exist, poets will be, writers will be, Coming now to the comments of Ms. Nina Cassiani. She was a Stalinist poet. For years we knew it. Maybe. You were not a freelancer. The secret of proliferation of poetry and writing is that the state paid the writer. In Romania, a writer could not subsist by himself. Tudor Argesi was supported by the king. And Tudor Argesi when his famous war pass in 1950, it was allowed to do it. He turned around about what he glorified before. It was As a young leader at the time, I was absolutely upset. I lived mostly among scientists. They were not better. Everybody sold himself for a buck or for a loan as it was there. It was no dignity. Dignified people shut up. Who asked the writer to glorify Ceausescu? Why didn't they go to take a job? To sell something, to do something, to be engineers, to be workers. Romania didn't have a house. One day one should look why Romania did not have dissidents. Dissidents to speak about. Ceausescu had one good thing in his time. He let people go. This did not exist in my time when I was there. It was a total prison. Now, in this prison, when a writer was not popular, I know one, for instance, was thrown out in the same day from the park, from his house that he lived with his own mother. His salary was cut. He remained starving on the street. He was not even a dissident. He was a poor imbecile who was not part of a quarter. This was the situation. Now, what's going to be in the future? Let me make a prediction. In Romania, in the two times, the popular volumes of a popular novel. They never could make a living of it. They were sold to a political party or to another. Mostly on the right, as the times were. Now, in Romania of the future, it is going to be a free market, as it would appear to be. Nobody will pay a salary to the writer. Nobody will buy the writer. They will be poets, Eminescu star, Adesi star, Joe Boza lived on charities until he got his pay from the party after his last days, he was still alive. But this will be the future. And it's going to be a wonderful literature, I'm sure. But people will not live on it. With rare exceptions. Because, I don't know, maybe with the literalization in these years, maybe a book can be sold in 10,000 volumes. 
but it's not enough to support somebody. So my question is, so what's your question, sir? Because this was uh, a set of remarks. We'd like to hear the question. <coughs> well, we discussed this here. We what was Goma? What was Goma? Uh, what was uh, Tudoran? What was... Uh, pardon? Pardon? Uh, yeah, well, I think we're go going astray from the question because we're discussing word arts in the relation to the establishment, not uh, the opposition of a country to a system. It's the voice of the artists, of the, uh, the word artists, uh, as against uh, uh, fighting back the system, not the general s situation of the society uh, that everybody knows was against the system. May I uh, tell just one thing, uh, Andrei? Uh, something fantastic and tragic happened um, uh, in connection with, is the word a weapon? He was an uh, engineer, and he also wrote some poems sometimes. His name was Gheorghe Ursu. Uh, he was very against what was going on around him, and he kept a diary. And this diary was cut by the authorities at some point some years ago, five years ago. A secret diary. Nobody uh, read it. Not his wife, not, not his friends, no, nobody. A friend it was a of private Andrei, document. Gheorghe, a private document. But telling everything he thought about what's uh, happening around. So after he was under uh, inquiry for about one year or so, they arrested him, they tortured him, and they killed him. Uh, in this diary, and by the way, everything is told here in an introduction to my newest book, I was mentioned as well because I had a lot of satirical poems uh, concerning him and her, and so on, and I told them, I was rather irresponsible in my uh, life. <laughs> and uh, because of this, because uh, of my presence in his diary, and because he was asked to give declaration about me, etc., etc., I had to leave the country. Now, was I a dissident or not? I have a lot of poems against, as I told you, against Ceausescu and against uh, the, uh, the Communist Party as a horror, as a, a terror, and, and so on, not in uh, openly put, uh, you know, but in, um, in content, which were published. And I was as amazed all the time as Norman Mania was, because it was a kind of complicity. I don't know why. Uh, anyway, uh, these poems were published in Romania. I have them. I can read to you uh, one or two just to see the genre of the, uh, the... I am a writer. For me, important is what's in my page. This is my way of communication. I don't have to, uh, put, uh, to take a sword and to fight in uh, the arena. My arena is the book. I'm sorry? Is it Tunis, not yeah. Tunis. Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah. Now, I don't know. more yeah. questions, yeah. I didn't say that. Uh, I, no. I simply drew the distinction between dissidents and opponents. No, she is a dissident. 
She's a dissident. I would say more that I, I think I'm an honest, an honest poet. Yeah. 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 Nina Kassian uh, wrote poetry of a certain kind uh, many years ago, and then she took the way of dissent. She chose not to follow through, and uh, she changed uh, her mind, and yes. she's a dissident. I th I uh, yeah. A dissident, instance, no, no. Uh, Anna Blandiana is an, an opponent yeah. because she never was yes. a party member. Yes. She never wrote uh, poems that were in keeping with uh, the requirements of the system. So she simply chose the way of taking a different stand. Whereas Nina Kassian took a stand in the beginning and, and changed her stand. That's how it is. Does he check an author? Yes. Yes, that was a long time ago. Yes. That For was the. the <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. That's why uh, Nina Kassian's uh, uh, um, testimony is so important because she has been through all this and has changed her mind. That's the difference. More questions. <laughs> Well, no, it's one random. Against, yeah. One against him and the one against her. That would be my taste. Uh, uh, one against whom? Against oh, one both are. Okay. One is, no, one is against, uh, if you want, against communism. So the question is uh, for two poems to uh, be read. Okay, and one against Ceausescu. Yes, it's called fairy tale. I read it, of course, in English translation. Um, I could tell it to the Romanian people in here, also in Romania. But they were both published. That's a, a curiosity. Well, this is called fairy tale. Why is it that the ugliest of the ugly, the most hideous of the hideous, wants to be called Prince Charming? <laughs> but, answered the princess, what befits a disguise? What if inside that scabby toad there lies bewitched the wonderful prince himself? That's a risk I dare not take. And the princess kissed his warts and took him to bed and the scabby toad, scabby toad croaked, satisfied. So the princess is Romania, you know who, tolerated for a time, thinking, who knows, perhaps Ceausescu, and then uh, they realized well, what it was about. And let me show you a poem which is much more general, and it's called, And When Summer Comes to an End. And when summer comes to an end, it's like the world coming to an end. Wilderness and terror everywhere. Days shrink till all dignity is gone. Wet slabs of cloth drape our bodies, dejected coats. And then we shiver, stumbling into the holes of Winter Street on the corner of decline. What's the good of living with the idea of spring dangerous as any utopia. For instance, but that's the way I write about things. I mean, in poetry, yes, in somehow in metaphors, in, I don't know. More questions, please? Yeah.
I don't hear you. Uh, did Zaharia, uh, were Zaharia Stanku's uh, diaries, uh, were they published or not? Yeah, I don't no. think they were. <laughs> but uh, will they? Uh, we don't know. <laughs> they should be published now. Yeah. Very interesting diary. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was mentioned by implication. Uh, yeah, the political joke. Uh, it's the oral, the oral component of Romanian literature. Yeah, yes. the bula jokes and all that. Yes. You're right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Humor. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Very good question. <coughs> Yeah, the question is about uh, Nina Cassian's uh, past allegiance yes. and uh, the way in which she views now uh, dissent, if I uh, understand correctly. Her dissent is from what? From communist ideology, from Stalin, from what? That's the question. Uh, I told you, in, and you heard my words, I told you that I had an idea that that idea was never not only fulfilled, but not even, it has nothing to do with what happened. All I saw uh, after the war was cult of personality, dictatorship, and so on. Uh, if it was uh, Stalin or Ceausescu, it's the same. It's the same uh, thing. Uh, although with some, uh, well, uh, let's say differences, because in the Stalin time in Romania, people were killed in masses. And in Ceausescu's time, uh, he was more cautious. He destroyed us interiorly. Uh, he, didn't, uh, he didn't have to uh, uh, put us through a massacre. He destroyed us mentally, psychologically, our dignity, and so on and so forth. What do you want me to uh, uh, abjure? That's an English word no, or think, not? No, I think you've answered yeah. the question. Yeah. Your dissent is from this. Yes, from, from this, from yeah. this horror, yeah. from this lie, gigantic lie. Yeah. I'm sorry? It was pre-Ceausescu, during Ceausescu, and it still is, I mean. Uh, I will keep my uh, revolts uh, alive. Yes. Uh, I Louder, please.
Yeah, you're right, but I, I don't see the question. <coughs> What's the Yeah, I see. Yeah. <coughs> well, in my view, yeah. Okay. Now, yeah, in my view, I don't think there is a climate of intolerance in Romania. And so I don't think there is any danger of having such uh, reactions and uh, crude uh, reprisals. No, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what my colleagues would think, but in my opinion, there is no uh, intolerance and uh, no climate of um, reprisals and uh, Punishment and all that in in today's. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the future will tell. More questions, please. Yeah, please. The last one. The last one. Two questions. One is perhaps one you could give an assessment. I'm a publisher, and I'd be interested in knowing the effect of opposition or dissidents from outside of Romania through various channels. Yeah, these are good questions. So first question is about uh, the impact of uh, the outside uh, Romanian community or of other media, uh, other communities uh, from abroad uh, upon the developments of Romanian letters. Second question about the publishing houses. Well, I think uh, the impact has been huge and uh, the exile as a form of uh, dissent, of both dissent and opposition, keeping in mind the distinction, uh, this impact has been uh, uh, enhanced a great deal by the fact of exile. And voices of Romanian uh, writers, either dissidents or opponents, uh, speaking from outside, using Western media, 
publishing abroad and so on, have had a very powerful impact on the evolution of uh, Romanian letters over the past uh, decades or so. Uh, as far as publishing houses are concerned, well, I am not qualified to, to, to tell you very much. I think uh, for the time being, they're going to be state-owned. And I wonder if uh, in the forthcoming future there'll be a change uh, in the policy uh, uh, publishing houses in Romania. We'll have to wait and see. Please. <coughs> So this question is uh, um, about uh, <laughs> politics and uh, politicking and uh, changes of, uh, of uh, direction in U.S. policy and uh, the possible impact uh, on Romanian letters. Um, I don't think this is very much to the point. Um, and I haven't heard of any, I haven't heard of any uh, uh, reflex in Romanian uh, poetry or prose no, or uh, yeah uh, about such things. This belongs to the realm of uh, of uh, everyday uh, journalistic craft, and uh, I don't think this was the topic of our meeting here. We were discussing word arts and literature. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, one last question. <laughs> Well, uh, very good question. Titulescu was indeed Romania's foreign minister in the interwar years. He was a famous cultural personality. He uh, is part of Romanian literature uh, for his speeches. And uh, he died, as you know, in exile. Uh, his circle, I don't think, is very much alive, but I know of a certain gentleman now in Washington, D.C., uh, Mr. Constantin Vishoyanu, who used to be Titulescu's secretary, and uh, who is now uh, over 90 years old, and he was Romania's last foreign minister be before the communist takeover. And Mr. Vishoyanu is also part of Romanian literature for his role as uh, an editor of one of the best Romanian literary magazines, Viața Românească. He used to uh, run Viața Românească, I mean Constantin Vishoyanu, uh, in the interwar years, alongside uh, uh, Sukianu and Ralea, three important personalities of Romania's uh, intellectual life uh, this in this century. So Mr. Constantin Vishoyanu is still alive. That's the last survivor of the Titulescu era. Well, we thank you very much, and uh, there is a reception for everybody. Let's get a proper reaction.
שאת אלה.